Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. I'm here with my friend Alyssa. My name is Todd. We're here to talk about something that I don't know anything about. Okay, so the question is, when you're playing Uno, right. and you don't have a card to play, do you draw one, or do you keep drawing until you can play? Oh, I don't, I don't know anything about the rules. I mean, I've played Uno, mm-hmm. right? I don't have the rules of Uno memorized. This sounds like kind of a house rule. I'm going to say you draw one. Okay. That's what we do in our household. We're very big. Like growing up, we played Uno all the time. All the time. Grandpa's house, always Uno. Mm. So, yeah, we just draw So you're good one. at Uno? Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Don't sit between my cousin and I. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Are you competitive? We just like to play a lot of draw twos and draw fours. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that sounds competitive. <laughs> I, I'm, I would have to actually use the Google to find out if that's a rule for Uno. I, I think it comes down to house rules, honestly. I, I but I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a big Uno player. No. I like video games. Mm. So, I, I mean, I like board games. Yeah. But usually I kind of get stuck in a rut. I like the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. until people are like, let's play something different. And I'm like, why? Yes. I like this. We, I mean, we played Uno nonstop until probably five, six years ago mm-hmm. when we got introduced to a game called Wizard. And now mm-hmm. that's my parents' favorite. And that's a. Five or six years ago is also about the time you had a couple kids. Yes. That slows down a lot of things. <laughs> I, I mean, I. Maybe not for you, but it slowed down a lot of things for me. Yeah, well, Joan was finally at the age where he can play Uno pretty oh, efficiently. Nice. And is he competitive? I would imagine. Yes, very much so. Yeah, brutal competitive. More like if he doesn't win, he cries. We've gotten a little bit past that, and yeah. he's okay playing until he wins, but... All right, all right. He's a sensitive guy. Mm-hmm. Those emotions are really, like, that's his killer instinct, and he just doesn't, he hasn't harnessed it yet. Yeah. You know, one day he'll be cutthroat. <laughs> Cutthroat Uno player. <laughs> That's funny. I like your kids. Um, what did we? Ta- what did I not know last week? I didn't think about it. Uh, last week, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either. I still remember the CRISPR drawer because I, I researched it. I was like, I, I need to know more about the CRISPR. I haven't. It hasn't changed my behavior at all. Like my, my knowledge, my new knowledge of the CRISPR drawer in the refrigerator mm-hmm. has not changed anything about the way that I use my refrigerator. <laughs> I still, and even the cheese drawer, because it was the cheese drawer that was the original question. Even the cheese drawer, like I know you're supposed to open the drawer, put the cheese back in the drawer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just chuck it back in the fridge. So it hasn't really changed my behavior. But one of the things I, I know a little bit about um, is uh, so, so biblical studies and um, understanding things from the Bible. And one of the things that really comes from uh, my time in seminary, we had a professor who had written a book, and his book is called Decision-Making God's Way. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? No. Okay. It's really, really good. It's actually out of print. So I've been hoarding copies of this book. You can get it digitally. I have it digitally. And I've been buying a couple copies. You can get them for about six bucks on the used market. Um, It's really very good because Christians often don't have a good model 
for making decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you think of a big decision you've made recently? No. No. Okay, no. Can you think of a small decision you made recently? Whether to go to Cedar Point yesterday. Whether or not? To go, yeah, but that that is a, that is a decision, right? And you decided to go. Yes. Right. Despite the heat. See, I I had the same opportunity presented to me, and I decided not to go mm-hmm. because I don't want to be out in the heat, surrounded by people, and especially children. But that's just <laughs> me, right? <clears throat> um, and it was hot yesterday. When we come to a decision, there are a lot of decisions where we want God's will. We want to know what God thinks about certain things. So about a year ago, I decided to take a job in Oak Harbor, Ohio. Uh And it was a pretty big decision, right? Yes. Uh, It involved um, changing churches, changing positions in the church, um, moving to a new town. New state. New state, yeah. There's a lot of things in Ohio that I wasn't expecting or I wasn't really ready for. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, like where do you, like in Michigan, I knew because we had lived there for a long time. How do you get your license plates renewed? Oh, yeah, you just do this. Well, then you go to Ohio and it's just this whole different um, process. Mm -hmm. Um, Transferring all of your mail, you know, which is (laughs) that's, I mean, that's not really a decision. That's just a pain. Um, but for me, the decision process about taking the new job started in about February of 22. Yeah. February of 22. When I realized that even though I loved the job that I had, loved the people, Mm -hmm. had a good relationship with my team, that I really believed God wanted me to do something as a senior pastor. Okay. I had taken a job. I had taken the church through the merge and they kept me on as an associate. And so my job was kind of this uh, catch basin of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching classes. I was preaching. Um, I was doing uh, light construction. Uh, <laughs> so like there was a, a gamut of things that I was doing. And I did not not enjoy all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Cody and I, we replaced the sign um, using, yeah, using scaffolding um, and creative engineering, including the bus. You back the bus up to the sign so you can climb up on top of the bus. Yeah, anyway. Um, The bus where the brakes, you know, failed. That was fun, too. I had to manage that situation. But So there was a lot of things. uh, Like in February, when I came to this this understanding, I was like, I really feel like God wants me to do, uh, to serve as a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. Um, That was a big a big idea, right? And we have this idea of calling to Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, like I, I resisted the idea of calling because for me, like I looked at it and I said, look, there are imperatives in the Bible that tell you to do certain things. Do those. Mm-hmm. Um, go into all the world to make disciples. You don't need a position to do that. You can do that wherever you are. Um, and so that's where, uh, as, as time went on, I made a phone call to the bishop in March. And um, I said, you know, I think it's time for me to be open to new opportunities. And Shoreline was open at the time. And there was another church in Grand Rapids. And so in conversation with the bishop, the bishop said, I really want you to look at uh, Ohio. Now that to me, like, I believe that submission to authority is really, really in the Bible. Okay. Right? 
So, and you could go to the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Titus, and you could look at those guys and, and, you know, Paul was sending them here and sending Mm -hmm. them there. Um, And so for me, that was just a very strong indication that God would have me go do this. Mm -hmm. So the other C, like one of the three C's in my decision process to, to leave Heart of Lakes, um, one was calling. I feel like I was called to do something different. Mm-hmm. And that's subjective, right? Like you can't look in the Bible and it says, Todd, go to Ohio. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's not even Todd, go be a pastor. Um, really, it's understand who you are, understand what God wants you to do, and then act on that. Do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing was that, that people kept contrasting me with the senior pastor. So when I took the job, I went from senior to associate, Mm -hmm. and my friend Kyle is the senior pastor, and so my responsibility to him is to support what he does. Mm -hmm. Uh, Behind closed doors, we could disagree about things, and we did, Uh, but when it came time to do things, I was there to do and to move the mission forward to help him enact the vision that he had for the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that contrast kind of, like, it, it wasn't... It wasn't wrong that people saw a difference between me and him, Mm -hmm. but it was not necessarily healthy for the church, right? Right. And then the final C is when the guys, I I talked to my guys, uh, I talked to the bishop in March, I talked to the guys in April, I said, I think it's time for me to think about new opportunities. The bishop is uh, advising me to think about Ohio. And then it was probably May when we had finally, post-merge, gotten all of our finances from these two organizations put together into one understanding. And uh, the guys came and we had a conversation and they said, hey, we can't afford to keep you on at this current level. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we were open to new strategies and new ideas. And so one of the strategies would be uh, bivocational, right? Uh, get Get a second job and continue working as an associate, preaching occasionally, light construction, all those kind of things. Right. Um, and they were willing to be very, very flexible in, in those terms, how we worked all that out. Um, <clears throat> but I said, guys, this is an easy decision. You just need to let me go. And at the time, Shoreline wasn't nailed down, mm-hmm. right? And so I still said, just, you just need to let me go. Well, what if Shoreline doesn't work out? Well, then I'll get my CDL back. I'll go back on the road. Right. And I'll continue to look for opportunities. It's not, it's okay. Actually, I applied for about five different churches and. And had got had a had a couple phone calls, um, and just the the fit wasn't right for a number of those different things. Right. So this was a big decision, right? And in this decision making process, it wasn't mystical as much as it was practical. God didn't appear to me in a dream and say, "Oak Harbor, Ohio, is the location where you need to serve." Right. <laughs> God sort of convinced me through the course of time that I should be serving mm-hmm. and location comes second. Right. So um, when we started having conversations with the leadership team here, the first conversation was with Dick Wood and uh, the bishop of our denomination. And I was just very, very open about some of our family stuff we have going on. Mm-hmm. And if we went to round two, right? Right. And then in round two, the guys uh, sat down and said, so tell us about yourself. It's like, well, I got family stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, then it was on to round three, you know, and then it was a job offer. And, uh, and like in, in thinking about this and in praying about this, like I don't think you need to have some deep inner sensation of peace, mm-hmm. right? It's I, nice, but you don't need it. Sure, it's nice. And even looking at the situation, um, 
there are a lot of great things about Oak Harbor, Ohio. Small town vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. For the, I mean, maybe not for the most part, you, but you, you see people over and over. Yes. You know, um, we've bought a house in Oak Harbor and people walk by and we've done a lot of work to our porch. We mm-hmm. really enjoy the porch. And so people will say, hey, great work on the porch. And we'll be like, oh, hey, thanks a lot. Yeah. Where do you go to church? <laughs> um, we're not quite, quite that bad. She is. I'm not. <clears throat> um, so in the decision-making process, there were these different stages and different things where it's like, okay, can we, can we do this and still honor each other in our marriage? Mm-hmm. Can we do this and still help things in our family? Can we do this and do what God wants? Mm-hmm. You know, and so the answer to all those things was yes, and so we came to Oak Harbor and love it. Like we really do like being here. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that was a big decision for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your husband works with people making big decisions every day. Yes. As they purchase cars, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. So when you think about this decision making process and how to understand God's will in that. There's a key passage in the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I think this verse is important because Paul is transitioning from the rest of the book of Romans Uh to a very practical side of Romans. And he's saying, look, worship and service are really the same thing. Is it kind of like the call of action that you're supposed to have at the end of ads? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like the natural progression from a an abstract theological understanding mm-hmm. to the concrete outworkings, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're a very caring and compassionate person. Like, that's a, an abstract. Mm-hmm. How does that work out day to day? Well, right. you look for opportunities to be kind to people, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, so that's, <laughs> it's almost like I'm freed from that burden. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> getting down. If, you're, if you've come along this far, uh, there you go. Um, this is your true and proper worship, so that worship is what we do. And it can be something simple. Uh, you were holding the baby this weekend, mm-hmm. right? And that is an act of devotion to God. It's an act of worship because it freed his mom up to do something else, yeah. which was also her act of devotion and worship. Verse 2 says, and, and and there's a lot that you could say about verse 1. There's a lot that you could say about the different ways that we serve the Lord. Um, but uh, verse 2 is kind of the, the, the point when it comes to decision-making. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's an imperative. It's a don't do. Mm-hmm. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the pattern of this world, going back to the example of transitioning to a new job, mm-hmm. one of the things that really didn't figure into it was, will I make more money, right? Okay. The, <clears throat> the world says, get more money, get more benefits, get more vacation time, get more, get more, get more. But that's not really, that's not really a part of the decision making here. Mm-hmm. Or at least for me, it wasn't part of the decision making and taking the job in at Shoreline, especially because like not that money doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Because we do have bills, and Her Majesty, my wife, has a certain expectation, you know, and as we and we make enough. We're well supplied. Um, but what the world would say is 
get more, get more, get more. So don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Not that money is wrong, okay? <clears throat> but you think about some other things that are common in the pattern of the world. When it comes to buying a car, mm-hmm. okay, what are you supposed to do? Get the best deal possible, right? Get the absolute best deal possible. Get the cheapest uh, or get the most you can get. You know, buy a Maserati for $1,000. Right. Great, you know, get the most. And that's where I think, you know, your husband, like, it's the flip side for the dealership. Not that your husband's a bad guy, right? But mm-hmm. what's the agenda of the dealership? Get the most money for the right. least value. So right. if you buy a used car for $1,000, sell it for $10,000, you made $9,000 in profit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way that the world thinks. Well, you think you get the profit, but you also have to pay the salespeople and the service people and the, people, and the, and the, yeah, the yeah. people using the phone. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a son who flips cars. And so he'll buy cars that are <clears throat> um, destined for the junkyard mm-hmm. and he'll throw a little money and a little labor at them and he'll be able to resell them and he does well for himself. Yeah. You know, and he should do well for himself. But I'm sure there are times when it doesn't work out. Like he buys something and then he has to just send it back to the junkyard because he can't get it fixed. Mm-hmm. Or even um, like ha- the thing that we often don't see is how these people are acting compassionately towards different situations. Mm -hmm. There was a situation where, uh, this is long long ago, far away, uh, I had a friend who was a car dealer, um, more of an acquaintance than a friend, Mm -hmm. right? And we were in a situation where we needed a car. And I was in school, I was broke, and so um, had bought a couple cars from him and just called him up and said, look, I don't have a whole lot. is there something that you can do to help us out? And they sold us a 2004 Ford Focus for $1,000. Mm. Yeah. So it was basically something they had taken in on trade, and they were going to just move it on to an auction. Yeah. So I, I don't know. They didn't fix it up. They didn't know anything about the car's history. And we ran that thing to absolute death. I mean, <laughs> and I think I sold it for like 500 bucks, like after a couple years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you never see those kind of things, right, in mm-hmm. those economic transactions. The pattern of this world is to get all that you can, or the pattern of this world is to tell only as much truth as you must, mm-hmm. right? Uh, have you ever clicked the box uh, that says, I agree to all these terms and conditions? Yeah, I do. I have started scrolling through them and kind of uh, skimming them. Skimming, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I just, I just go ahead and lie. <laughs> That's which the they count on. Which they count on, yeah. I'm sure hidden in there, it's like I've sold my identity and all kinds of things. We're supposed to be different. And when we think about transforming our minds and, and being different, what that means is not something mystical. Like I don't sit in a chair and wait for God's Holy Spirit to zap me with a renewed mind. Mm-hmm. I have to do the work of renewing my mm-hmm. mind. And the way that is, it's like, it's understanding the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. But that that's a big thing. At least understanding the Bible in some of the pieces. Because some of the people who've gone before us have done some of the work to give us some helps. Mm-hmm. One of the helps is our discipline, right? So we're part of a denomination. They have a discipline. And some of the descriptions of behavior, like they will define what it looks like to be a person in our denomination. And it is at least a help to go through and read the discipline once a year. Some of the things that are most challenging in the discipline for me um, 
<clears throat> are things like you're not supposed to even speak unkindly about people. And I'm like, mm. wow, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. And it, it kind of comes out in our uh, denominational meetings, right? Because someone will say something, and then the next person who gets up, even to rebut what that person says, they often will start with, I really appreciate your perspective on this. However, I respectfully disagree with you. That's like going over, that's like bending over backwards to speak kindly about people. Yeah. It, my brain doesn't always go there. My brain often goes to, that was dumb. You know, <laughs> I just don't always say it. Be transformed by the renewing of, of your mind. Renew your mind and use some of those helps that go along with it. I think about our culture of honor. I will walk worthy with you is the first statement. And one of the things that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, mm-hmm. uh, where it says, walk worthily uh, in accordance with the calling to which you've been called. We as Christians have been called to have a worthy walk before the Lord so that people know that we're different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, I mean, we mess that up because we're human, right? Right. But it's still the calling that we're, that we're called to. So whenever we think about our decision making or our relationships, we have to think about it from a different perspective, from the perspective of a renewed mind. And I can give you an example. Um, I have a couple friends, and one of them was selling a car, and one of them was buying a car. Okay. And so these guys knew each other. They were friends. Um, they were in a good relationship, wanted to have a good relationship. So the guy selling the car gave a price. The guy buying the car paid more. Okay. Why? Because they were friends, and they wanted to maintain a good relationship. Okay. Right? I mean... I mean- that's not the usual, is it? Right. I mean, I wonder how many times it happens to your husband when he's selling a car for so much and the customer's like, I'm going to pay you a little bit more. Well, I mean, it would make sense if they were p- if the person underpriced the car. Mm-hmm. So like it was worth $2,000, but they were only going to sell it to you for um, 15 And mm-hmm. so then you went ahead and paid the 200 because you know it was worth that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess it... It also go, plays into the tipping culture a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. You like tipping? It depends. Yeah. Do you adjust your tip based on the level of service? It depends. My, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. We don't eat at restaurants very often, mm. so like that sort of tipping isn't really in the forefront of my mind. Mm. I'm in the beauty industry a little oh, right. bit more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. Like, that's just interesting to see how everybody else does it. I don't hmm. normally get services done at full price, so my tipping is different, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So. What have you noticed in that culture? Do people tip generously or not very generously? That's, it depends. Hmm. You know, because in the beauty industry or spa industry, some people are like, oh, I've never done this before. How should I tip? And it's really... However you feel, mm-hmm. um, we have some people who tip $5 per person, even though each of the services were almost 100 Um, oh. And then you have some people who tip, you know, almost 50%. Wow. So it just it depends on the person. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing sometimes it depends on their financial situation where they can't afford to tip sure. more than mm-hmm. $5 for the service, you know, kind of thing. So we, we eat out. Um, and so Ruth Ann is the, the one who, that's the, the section of the budget where that, that, uh, expense comes from. 
she tips very generously mm-hmm. because she also invites people to church just willy nilly. Mm-hmm. And she never wants to be the kind of Christian who leaves a very small tip and then invites somebody to church. Mm, yeah. You know, so she's always very generous. We did end up tipping a cake the other day. Tipping a cake? Yeah. So it was after my cousin's wedding and we had lots of extra wedding cake. And so my sister, brother in law, and my husband and I got sent home with almost an entire full oh, cheese nice. cake. I well, thought it was like cow tipping, like cake tipping at a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the wedding, we went to um, a restaurant and got some appetizers before we all headed back to bed. And we had this full cake that mm. none of us eat a whole lot of sweets mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. didn't really want to. A full cake is a lot. Right. And to travel that another two hours mm-hmm. to my kids and such who mm. don't really eat a lot of sweets mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, so we were like, well, all the people at the restaurant, like the, it was, have we, some were, cake. we were closing them down. We we're like, well, mm-hmm. do you want some cake? Yeah. We're like, oh, well, I have a couple kids at home. Sure. And we ended up leaving pretty nice. much an entire sheet cake for her. And she was a little surprised. The nice thing about cake is that everybody can have some. Right. right. And cookies. All right. Sorry. <clears throat> Tangent. Back. Focus. Back. Focus. 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 Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. And and that's where, like, you know, in our culture of honor and in our vision 2025 to model generosity, that we should be the kind of people who are generous with our time and with our finances. Mm-hmm. As generous as we can be. Right. You know, a lot of times, like, some pastors will be like, um, they'll encourage people to give so much that it feels like they're encouraging them to give themselves into poverty. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to give uh, as God has, has prospered you might be another tangent, but I was in a conversation with a friend the other day about um, churches because mm. she's she's trying to find a, a good fit for church, but she's feeling like all of the websites when she reads about the church and um, there's a big focus on giving. So she just feels mm. like the churches are saying, I need your money. Come so we can have your money kind of thing. Yeah. So like from an, or that we're in, we'll just go the tangent. <clears throat> um Churches are trying to make giving as frictionless as possible, just mm-hmm. like every other organization, mm-hmm. um, because we we do rely on people being generous. Right. 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 Um, yeah. My my in my brain, I'm like holding out the tablet for you to give me a tip. Anyway. <laughs> Renew your mind, and that's where the Bible becomes like this uh, important document to think God's thoughts after him, to think in terms of what does it look like to be an upright person before God. And the Proverbs is like one of the natural places to go to. Um, when we think about uh, living wisely in this life, and so the second part that I use for the sermon is from Proverbs chapter 1, the first seven verses. And think about these, think about these statements in terms of decision-making, Right? The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, wisest man who ever lived, okay? To know wisdom and instruction. So this is like the purpose of the Proverbs. To understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing. Okay, that one right there, like wise dealing, Mm -hmm. tells me what, like that's the transactional thing, right? If I receive a service... What is the wise way to handle a gratuity Mm -hmm. or uh, 
making sure that I get the appropriate value from the service, mm -hmm. right? That's another thing. If you hire a contractor and the contractor does a sloppy job, shouldn't you be able to say, hey, this is not what I'm paying for. I'm paying for a good quality job. Right. right. Um, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. All of those things, like to me, like my mind is just exploding with all of these things are really decision-making things. Righteousness is choosing to do things God's way. Justice is choosing to do the right thing. Uh, equity is choosing to, you know, split the cookie in half and let somebody else pick the, the side that's bigger. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And I use this on Sunday. It's like, you know, we correct kids all the time. Mm -hmm. And their little egos aren't always as bruised as if you corrected an adult. Right. right. If you go correct an adult, they're like, they could be very insulted by that correction. Mm -hmm. Kids are not so much, you know. And I, um, <clears throat> I, I used the example of two little boys in church. I asked mom's permission because they were at each other. I asked mom's permission. And then I went back in and I said, can you work it out or do you need me to work it out? They're like, we can work it out. Work it out. Now, they didn't call my bluff, right? Because <laughs> I didn't have like a second move here. Mm -hmm. Apart from go get your mother. <laughs> Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles, wisdom literature is trying to help us find like that well-worn pathway to a good life. But verse 7 is the one that I think is really important here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord means humility. And humility is not humiliation. Humiliation is, you know, you crawl around like a worm and you're not worth anything. Mm -hmm. Humility is an understanding of the value that you have because God has given you value. You are created in God's image. That's, a, mm -hmm. that's bedrock for me. That's so important in scripture mm -hmm. that you are created in God's image. Mm -hmm. And that's where I should care for you respect you, um, give honor to you. All of those things are like renewing your mind about the value of another person. And so humility is also having a proper view of oneself, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a person, and I hope that you are a person listening <laughs> to this today, <clears throat> you need time off. You know, you need time to rest and reflect. Mm -hmm. You need recreation, although not Cedar Point on a hot day. Not, <laughs> not my thing. I actually texted a friend this morning. I said, take your day off. Guard it. Yeah. You, know, you need it. Yeah. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's where the statement that I gave is check your ego. There's a branch of ethics called um, virtue ethics. So um, the other kind of ethics that we see in Scripture, the other kind of ethics that people use from Scripture all the time, is called deontological ethics. And I... I apologize for the word, but what it means is following the rules. Okay. And so a lot of people will use a deontological ethic when they look at scripture and they're like, well, if there's no rule, I can just do whatever I want. That's okay. not really the intent of scripture. The intent of scripture is more of a virtue ethic to create a kind of person who will do the right thing. Uh -huh. That way you don't need the rule. Okay. Rules are still there. Rules right. are still important. Right? Rules are still rules, right? Like what does the Old Testament say? Uh, in Exodus 20, 13, you shall not commit murder. That's a rule. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good rule. But 
when you go into some of the other parts of even the Old Testament law, it talks about respecting other people. Mm-hmm. And in that deep and abiding respect for people, that's where we get the idea that we shouldn't even use harsh language because people are created in God's image. And if you become the kind of person who has the virtue of respect for people built into your character, Mm -hmm. then you will respect people, even when you're mad. I was in Walmart Saturday, and these two guys were getting into it. And it it looked like it was going to resolve itself, like they weren't going to throw hands. They were older guys. Okay. And they were just just at each other, just... Mm -hmm. and I thought, man, that is so contrary to some of what we're thinking and talking about at church. Renew your mind. Um, be humble. Check your ego. Those kind of things. If you... Okay, this is a funny story. <clears throat> so I have an old friend um, who made a Facebook post. Now, a lot of times I don't comment on Facebook posts. Okay. Right? So I'll, I'll if I see something funny... I'll send you a text message or a private message. I just, I don't, I don't play out in the public wall Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, And so I sent her a picture of Elmo on the potty. Have you seen it? I don't think so. Okay. So Elmo is sitting on the potty and he's kind of doing the potty dance. Mm -hmm. I'll send it to you. Um, And I just, I thought it was hilarious. And so I sent it to her, but here's the thing. She's not somebody I'm in regular contact with. And her phone number had changed. Oh. And so I got a phone call from this guy who didn't have my number in his contacts. (laughs) And he was mad. He was like, why the blankety blank would you send me a picture of Elmo on the toilet? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I could have been defensive, right? Right, right. I thought you were somebody else. I sent it to somebody else. Why are you you breaking me up about this? Mm -hmm. But instead, I was like, I am so sorry. This was an old friend. I haven't talked to her in years. Um, sent her this this picture. I thought it was funny. Again, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I hope you have a great day. I hope, you know, have a great, you know, BM or whatever later on. Or <laughs> I won't send you any pictures. Of course, I'll edit my contacts and all that other stuff. And uh, he, he calmed down, right? Right. But it very easily could have been just two guys yelling at each other. Yeah. To no end. I mean, I I don't know this guy. Mm-hmm. I blocked his number. See, I had something not similar, but I got a random text from, I think it was a California number, saying something about hitting his Porsche in Chinatown in San Francisco, which definitely nowhere near there. So obviously had a wrong number. So I just blocked it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to respond. Not Because the person was looking for confrontation. Yeah. So... I don't know who you are. I'm not going to ask anything. I'm just going to move on. You're cruising around San Francisco in a cement mixer looking for Porsches to knock over. Apparently. Cake tipping, Porsche knocking. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on the wild side. So uh, two two big principles from Sunday. Renew your mind. Um, and that's where like a regular time in, in the Bible for understanding. It's not magic, right? It's a... It's a thing that we should be understanding. Um, and then the other principle is to check your ego. Because so many times we we let our, our false sense of self-esteem or self-worth or we get arrogant. Those things happen because we're people. Mm-hmm. That's what I got for you today. Okay. 
What was the question we started with? Uno. Uno. Last week was the OMG. Oh, OMG, that's right. Oh my goodness. From the 1700s. Yes. Excellent. Have a great day. <laughs>